Well, if you've looked inside your bulletin today at the, the sermon title, it's changed a little bit, but you might notice if you were here last week that, that we're looking at the same passage. I, I don't think I've ever done that, uh, looking at the same passage two weeks in a row. You're, oh my gosh, are we going to hear the sec- same sermon over again? Um, yeah, kind of. But no, not really. It's going to be a little bit different. Obviously, the truths don't change inside that passage, but what we're doing with the passage is going to change a little. Last week, as you know, we used that passage to kind of introduce Legacy Milestone Ministries and uh, the Parent Summit that is going to be coming on January 23rd. Folks, I want to encourage you to, to really try that out this first time, this first time of presenting it. Did you go check out and see what's there and understand this ministry wherever you are? are in your family life. It may be a great need for you right now. You may feel, well, you know what, that's not so much of a need for us right now. But you know what, the more you understand this ministry, not only are you aware of what is there for you possibly one day, but you're also aware of how you might reach out to others. I think we would all agree that the home is the crying need in our culture today. And to have a good understanding of this ministry and how you might share it with others and let them know what is here and how they can get involved will be a good ministry opportunity for you. So I encourage you, come this first time, check it out, sign up. There will be something for everybody in that conference Saturday, January 23rd. You see the details uh, there in your bulletin about that. Now this week, yeah, we're going to use the same passage because now I am formally starting the family series and, and, and what I want to start with is the purpose of the home. And I think that passage does it about as well as any. It so clearly talks to us about why God gathers a family together. And as you'll see in your bulletin in those list of titles, purpose is kind of the key word. Purpose is the, is the big idea. What's the purpose of this? Why am I doing this? Why do I have to make these changes? Why do I need to add this or delete this? What is the purpose that God has given inside the home. Folks, we can use things beyond their purpose, but man, when you're living inside the purpose, uh, the opportunity to enjoy that, to find fulfillment, uh, it speaks to the amount of effort and work that we have to put in it. Purpose is a good thing. Why is this here? Now, while we we have a lot of things in life that have what we call multi-purpose, you can use them for a lot of different things. And, and even multi-purpose things, sometimes we use even beyond what they're designed for, even what they were made for. Uh, I've seen a great picture of this in, uh, with duct tape. Great. Is this not one of the best inventions of mankind? I mean, you can use this stuff for anything. We have a couple testimonies back here. Great thing. But even this gets used for what it wasn't necessarily designed for. Let me show you a picture here. Uh, this guy flew his plane into the wilderness, went hiking or camping or whatever he did, and a bear tore his plane apart trying to get food. He came back, and as you can see on the picture on the right, he duct taped his plane together and flew out of there. Now, I'm guessing the duct tape people don't stand behind that. I, I, don't, I don't think that, you know, build a plane. Uh, so we can use things even beyond what they're designed for. How about a screwdriver? I don't know about y'all's home, this is used for almost everything but tightening screws. You know, I mean, you poke holes and stuff, hopefully not yourself. Uh, You know, you pry things open, you do all kinds of things. A lot of things, folks, are used for multiple things. You don't stop and think, well, what's the purpose of this? You just pick it, that'll work, and you use it. 
But just because things can be used for a lot of different things, or even beyond what they were designed for, folks, there's still there's nothing quite like using something exactly like it was designed for. Using something to fulfill and serve the purpose for which it was created. And it's kind of with this thought in mind that I, that I want us to think about the purpose of our home. Am I using my home in the way it was designed? Am I fulfilling the purpose of the home that was given to it? Here again, the, the home's multi-purpose, isn't it? got a lot of things we we have a home and a family for a lot of functions are fulfilled in the home and the family. I change clothes get them washed right I mean, that's one of the pump purposes of the home and the family eat watch tv it's a place to put my stuff place to hide some stuff like a lot of different things that we use the home for but that's not why we have a home is it it's used for those things. It accomplishes those things. But that's not why any of us want or have a home. No, we're looking for things like love. The, the giving and the receiving of acceptance and forgiveness. We're looking for a place that, that builds us and prepares us for life. And sometimes just builds us and prepares us for today. A place of rest. A place of refuge. Well, folks, the way we're going to get to these deep things that the home has to offer, the deep things that the home has for us, is when we are working the home inside the purpose that God has given it. When we're living out that purpose that God has in bringing a family together. And let's look at that purpose again in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Let's return to that passage Deuteronomy chapter 6, if you don't have a Bible with you, we've got some in the chairs in front of you. You kind of got to bend over like this and, and look under, but it shouldn't be too far away from you. Maybe you might need somebody to hand it to you. Deuteronomy chapter 6, fifth book into the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 6, I'm going to begin in verse 4. It says, listen Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your strength. These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Folks, the purpose of the home is to communicate Christ. The purpose of the home is to communicate God. Now you know what? Let me tell you why that purpose is so big and so important. Because you see, we're going to come back next week and get to the stuff we're really hoping to hear in this series, right? You know, how to have a better marriage. I want to hear about how to make my kids do what they're supposed to do. How to get my mate to do what they're supposed to do. We want to hear about communication and money and sex. Uh, we want to hear about some of these things. But folks, remember, all of these things all fit under and serve under what? The purpose. So as we look at each piece of the marriage, at, at each role in the home, at each piece of the home, we have to be asking, how does this serve the ultimate purpose? So when we look at these things, we have to remember at the end of it, it communicates God. When I'm looking at our financial struggles and problems and how do we do money, whatever the answer is, at the end of it, it communicates Christ. 
When we're looking at communication, at the end of it, it communicates Christ. So to get to the pieces of these things and really understand and be motivated to take on the answers, you've got to understand where it's going. You've got to understand what its purpose is, and it is to communicate Him. This is the purpose that God has given us. And when we take on the purpose of the home, man, it's a beautiful thing. As a matter of fact, let, let me show you what happens when a, a family does this. You don't need to turn there. I'm going to read this real quickly. This comes, comes out of Psalm 78, verses 4 through 7. It says, We must not hide them from their children, but we must tell a future generation the praises of the Lord, His might and the wonderful works He has performed. He established a testimony in Jacob and set up a law in Israel which He commanded our fathers to teach their children so that a future generation, children yet to be born, might know they were to rise and to tell their children and listen to the result, so that they might, one, put their confidence in God, two, not forget God's works, and three, keep His commandments. Folks, when the home is dedicated and committed to communicating Him, it greatly increases the chances that that home is going to find confidence in God, they're going to remember His works, which is synonymous with knowing God, knowing what He's doing. And they're going to be obedient. Folks, these are the things that open wide the door of your life. The door of your marriage. The door of your kids. The door of your home opens wide the door of God's blessing, God's power, God's presence. These are good things. So see, when we take on the purpose of the home, this home is going to transfer God to the next generation. This home is going to communicate Him. Man, the product... The product of that is going to be confidence and, and knowledge and obedience. And this is going to bring blessing. Now, a little side note here. Singles, young people. It's right out of this thinking that God gives the command, we're not to date, fall in love with, and marry an unbeliever. If you marry an unbeliever, that means from the very get-go, your home is divided in its attempt to fulfill that purpose. I would imagine there's a lot of believing mates in here that say, man, it's a struggle to fulfill that purpose. It's almost impossible to fulfill that purpose when you start off the wrong way. God's given a purpose. He's given a way. When we start off already ignoring that, we're really making it hard on ourselves fulfilling that purpose. Now, there's probably also several people in here, or more than that, who have married an unbeliever. Or you've got a mate that is, is not going to help in serving this purpose, in bringing this about. I don't know if you noticed in the bulletin, I actually have a sermon on what do we do when somebody in the house isn't playing their part? What do we do when somebody's not pitching in? Can you still fulfill God's purpose? Yes, you can. But I know you would tell any of these singles or these young people, man, if you can fulfill it, I know this, it's done with a lot more heartache, it's done with a lot more grief. It's done with a lot more tears and a lot more effort. So young people and singles, the best way to fulfill what God has for your home is to start, like he said, to start it. Now let's look a little bit more into this passage and understand how the home functions and what it's supposed to do. You remember from last week, we said this passage gives us one great truth. It's the starting point for everything. This one truth, one sentence 
is the starting point for science. It's the starting point for whether I forgive you or not. It's the starting point for financial decisions. It's the, the starting point for big questions in life, for questions I have for today. It's the starting point for every question you have in the home. This one great truth. There is one great Almighty God. He said, now that's, that's not really the starting point for all those questions. Oh, yes, it is. Because if that's true then all I need is His answer on all of those questions. And then live in that answer in all of those questions. But if that's not true, if there's not one great Almighty God, then, you know, we join the rest of the world and crawling around in the dirt trying to make sense out of things. Trying to find answers to things. This is the starting point. There is one great Almighty God. Now, you know, let me take a little side road here. We live in a, in a culture that greatly promotes one value, tolerance. Tolerance, and especially in this area of spiritual things. We're to, we're to tolerate each other's spiritual ideas. You know, we all have different ways of finding and discovering God. We have different ways of looking at God. And, and tolerance would say, let's be, let's be respectful. Let's be accepting of, of each other's understanding of God. But the, the problem is, if you think about it, tolerance actually makes man the definer of God. So, so God really becomes nothing more than the product of my mind and, and my ideas. Now, if that's all God is, well, then yes, I would, I would suggest tolerance. You know, you've, you've got your way of looking at things. I've got my way of looking at things. So we'll just, we'll just respect each other's way of doing that. But, but the problem is that actually makes man God, doesn't it? Because God's determined, man is determining who God is and what he does. Now, I don't know about you. I, I don't need the product of my mind and my ideas. I certainly don't need the product of your mind. Don't need that at all. You know what? I don't need the God that men created. I need the God that created man. So, folks, this idea of oneness actually totally attacks this idea of tolerance. You see, tolerance in our, in our culture means, you know, it, it's kind of like what you've, maybe you've heard the phrase, we put God at the top of the mountain and there's lots of ways up the mountain. I mean, there's more than one way up the mountain, right? So let's just all respect each other's ways. Well, this word one actually attacks this idea that, that there's all kinds of ideas about God. God, is, God has shown Himself to this culture in this way and maybe He's shown Himself to this culture in another way and how you get to Him. Maybe this group of people, He said, here's how you can get to Me and another group of people, here's how you can get to Me. And, and there's all these ideas of God and how we get to Him. But this idea of oneness means absolutely not. The word one has two concepts to it. Unity and uniqueness. And the idea behind unity is God is one. He is unified in who He is, in how He reveals Himself, and how He shows Himself to people. So, so God is not, you know, there's one God and He's called by all kinds of different names. No, that, oneness absolutely attacks that idea. There's one God, but, but everybody knows Him a little bit differently. No, that's, that's not true. There's absolute unity in who He is and how He presents Himself. I'll give you an example. We're supposed to tolerate, you know, that, that God has shown Himself in different ways, and so we're supposed to understand, okay, God has come over here, and He's called Him, you know, in, in the Hindu faith, and He's called Himself by a bunch of different names. And over here, God has taught people that the poor are poor because they're being punished for another life. 
And, and so to, for them to really get the purpose of this life, you need to help them suffer. You know, if you're not poor, treat them as an outcast. That's what God says. But over here in the Christian faith, it says that to love and to care for the poor is the very same as loving and caring for Jesus Himself. Folks, do you get that? That's not a God presenting Himself in two different ways. That's a contradiction. A contradiction is not unity. In the, in the, in the Muslim faith, According to the Quran, you can live a good Muslim life. You, you can do everything that the Quran asks you to do, that God asks you to do. But when you die and go to heaven, there is an element of however God feels that day. I mean, he may say, you know what, I'm just, I'm just not interested in more people today. And you're out. That's it. You did everything God asked, required. But if he's not in the mood that day, if he doesn't want you that day, if he doesn't want anybody that day, you're out. The God of the Bible says that He loves you, He wants you in heaven, and He actually did the work to make sure you could have that. Folks, this isn't the same God revealing Himself in two different ways. That's a contradiction. The idea that the Lord God is one attacks this idea of a multiplicity of gods. It also attacks the idea of one God that is understood in a multiplicity of ways. He is unified in who He is and how He reveals Himself. He's also unique. One means He's unique. He, he is unique in His power, His position, His character of holiness. He is unique in His authority and rule. He's unique in that He is the one God. Now, somewhere along about right now, we should be scratching our heads saying, I thought this was supposed to be about the family. It is about the family. Everything I just talked about was told to be communicated in the temple, in the church. It's supposed to be communicated in the home. You see, folks, every day you and I get in our cars and on the bus and, and, or however else we travel and we head out into the world and you and I live in a world that is f on a full frontal assault on what Deuteronomy 6.4 is teaching. It is attacking every day this idea of one God. One way to get to that God. Your kids are being hammered with it and made to be foolish and intolerant for thinking that way. Some of you feel that in the workplace. Here's the question, is the home, is the home helping us prepare for that? Is the home strengthening and encouraging when we come home from that? And I know some of you would say, well, I'm not, I'm not really confident I could talk with my home about everything you just said. Folks, here's the beauty. You only got to be one step ahead of your children. Just one step. You just know the next question they're going to ask and ask for time to answer it. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. It, it does require some interest and focus to know what are the questions, what are the issues in, in my society, what are the questions and issues in my home, and, and then whatever way I can to try to find some answers and, and just start answering those questions. One question ahead. There is one great truth. And as God reveals that, the first place He points to is the home as the communicator of that truth. He also shows us in this passage, we saw this last week, a response to that truth. We are to love Him. A, a relationship with God is about a love relationship. You see the word in there, heart. It, we're supposed to love Him with our heart. These words, these commands, these ideas are to be in our heart. It is about a relationship. And really, the rest of the Bible... 
is a commentary on how we love Him. A commentary on how you receive His love. Folks, God has called you and me into a love relationship. The Bible shows us how to experience that love, how to receive that love, how to love Him. And it is from that love that it becomes the well or or the motivation for loving others. Starting guess where? In our home. Every now and then, it takes a little motivation to love the folks you live under the same roof with, doesn't it? Where does that motivation come from? That love with and for God. We draw from that. And you say, man, it sounds like a big love fest. It's all about love. Why aren't we experiencing that love? Why in the world experiencing that love? If this is what God has for us, guess, sin. Sin is the opposite of love. Some of you might have thought, no, sin would be the opposite of God. No, because God is one. He's unique. There's nothing to compare with Him. Positive or negative. Sin is the opposite of love. God is love, but sin is the opposite of that love. You say, why do you say that? Because love gives every single time. Love serves every single time. Love provides. Love is focused on the other. Sin is never focused on the other. Sin is about me, what I want, what I need in this moment, and how I get it even if it's wrong. As a matter of fact, we even talk about people we love. And a lot of times the reason we love them is why? Because of how they make me feel. Because of what they do for me. And when they stop making me feel, and when they stop doing for me, guess what? The love stops. See, then it was never love. Love is always focused and serving the other. That's why God is love. He's always focused on you. Always serving you. Always caring for you. But sin says it's my way. Folks, we're never, it's never going to work in the home when I approach a marriage, when I approach children, when I approach parents with the concept of my way. And I'll tell you one place it'll never, never, ever work for all eternity is you're never going to approach God and say, my way. This is one place where there is only one way and it's God's way. It'll never be your way. Now, God's way is Jesus. You know, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Let me repeat that. I am the way of God. I am the truth of God. And I am the life of God. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. Now, folks, as we try to take something like John 14, 6 and attach it to this passage we're looking at right now, that means not only do I as an individual get to God through Christ, same is true for the home. The home, if the home wants to know and love and serve God, if the home wants to transfer God, it has to do that through the person of Jesus Christ. Folks, ultimately to fulfill the purpose, ultimately to, join, to enjoy the home at its very best, you do have to come to Christ. You do have to come into a relationship with Him. That's what it takes. Now, you know what that means? As we get back here next week and in the weeks ahead and, and we're going to listen to these sermons and we're sure hoping that, you know, they're listening. We're sure hoping. Isn't it funny how we listen to these sermons and we hope everybody in the home gets it around me? I mean, I don't need it. I'm, I'm fine. But boy, I sure need everybody in the home to understand this series. But you know what this truth means, folks? 
it means that the first place you begin in evaluating your home, in evaluating your marriage, your parenting, your money, your communication, the first place you begin is in your own personal relationship with Christ. Because whatever step is going to be taken next, it's going to draw from and serve that relationship with Jesus Christ. Start with ourselves always first. So we've got a great truth, one great God. We've got a response to that truth. We love Him. And we have the priority, the first place we go in living out that knowledge and in, and in responding to that truth. Now, the things we're talking about, folks, we do these things everywhere, don't we? Well, I mean, we're supposed to do this at church. We're supposed to do it in the workplace. We're supposed to do it in all of our relationships. But isn't it interesting in this passage, if you have your Bible open, notice the number of times it refers to the home. Yes, there's going to be lots of verses that say this be done everywhere. But as God reveals this, he's, He keeps referring to the home. It is the home that is to transfer this. It is the home that is to communicate this. It is the home that is to live it out. Why? Because most often the home is where life is most lived. We, we, we talked about last week, a lot of times we, we come up to the church thinking, you know, it's, it's the church's job to transfer this information to my kids. But when we treat the church that way, basically what we're training our kids is that God is something you go and do. You, you go and you do God at that building over there. But folks, God is not something the home goes and does God is something that the home is all about. Does the church aid and serve in that? Absolutely. The, the, ch the church helps us answer questions. It helps us get resources. It, it encourages all of us. But life is not lived in here. Life is lived out there. And God said the way this truth is really going to come to life is when you're living and trying to apply and teach that truth out there where life is being lived. And that's why it gives these phrases about coming and going out of the house and rising up and, and going down. Folks, it's as you live. Parents, you are to diligently. Now think of that word diligent. What do you do diligently? That means you work, you sweat, you don't ever miss it. You, you wouldn't forget this. If you're doing something diligent, you've all, we've all got things in life that we do diligently. And we never say about those things, well, I just didn't have time this week. That's the word, that's the effort we're to be giving at this being the purpose of our home. We are to diligently be transferring this truth. And, and as we said last week, we're going we're to look at every day as an opportunity to do that. Good days and bad days, when we've got great friends and when we've got enemies, when we've got successes and we've got failures in all of these things. As we live, we're going to communicate and share and rejoice and plead on God. How, how, did, how do you, my home's nowhere near that. How, how, how do I start moving in that direction? A couple of suggestions, a couple of ways to think about this. Number one, pick a day a week. One day. Did you, did you notice that? You know, a lot of times we don't start a family prayer time because we can't do it seven days in a row for an hour and a half apiece, right? You know, or, or we start and then we fall off. Folks, can we just start with one day? One day a week that we spend 15 minutes. What do you do during that 15 minutes? Hey, you might, might read a psalm. You, you might start reading through the New Testament. Well, we're going we're gonna to read the New Testament for, for five to seven minutes. And, and then the next five to seven minutes, we're going to pray. And again, I, I know there, there, there's 
parents, there, there's individuals, maybe I'm, I'm a little bit uncomfortable knowing what to say, knowing, knowing how to pray, I don't pray out loud. You know what, if you're, if you're nervous about praying out loud, wouldn't the home be the best place to kind of start working through that? What if we ha- all had a goal that when we reach January 2011, I'm not going to be afraid to pray out loud anymore. Because there's a lot of people I love and care about and would love to share the opportunity to pray with them. Now, the good news is you don't have to pray like pastors. Don't, don't pastors pray awful? I mean, you can't understand half the stuff they say. They use words that nobody uses. You, you know, you're in a prayer time. All you got to say is, God, you just heard all of our prayer requests. Would you answer them? Amen. That might be your prayer. That's not hard, is it? That's it. It might be a sentence based on what somebody says. Lord, you know we need your help in that area. Could we see that help this week? That's it, folks. It's not hard to pray. Don't make it some model you can't be or you can't do. Again, all you got to do is say, step ahead of your kids. Step ahead. Read the Bible. Pray once a week. Second one kind of goes with it. Folks, this is a beautiful thing. Have great impact on your home. Know how to pray for each member of your family. Once a week, we should know, you know, how can I pray for each one of you this week? Go around the room, go around the circle, big circle, short circle, whatever it is. Go around. Do you know how to pray for each member of you? I'm not talking about in general, God bless them and help them. What is it this week they're excited about, afraid of, concerned, worried, working on, need to finish? How can I pray for them this week? Now watch what happens in this. This actually has nothing to do with prayer. If you communicate that to one another and then you actually pray, there's a really high chance you're going to actually care. Imagine that. And if you care, you're going to walk up to the member of that family and say, hey, I know you were kind of anticipating what was going to go on today. How did that work out? How'd you do on your test? How'd that meeting worked out? And you know what that person hears? They heard me. They care. They're praying for me. So you see, simple way to increase communication and talking about something more in your home than who's running carpool, who's paying the bills and what you didn't do for me. It's a great way to communicate that. Number three, respond to your children's struggles and victories, questions and challenges with the Lord. Make everything about God. Okay? They come home and they've had a big day. Hey, you know what? Let's stop and give praise to God for that. Oh, but I don't know how to pray about that. Lord, thank you for a great day. Amen. That's it. Your kid comes home with a failure. Your kid comes home with with something really hurting. Man, let's stop and pray about that. Well, I'm not sure how to pray about that. Lord, would you please help them? This really hurts. In Jesus' name, amen. It's just that simple. Make everything about the Lord. Weave Him. Isn't that what Deuteronomy 6 is saying? You're constantly weaving Him into everything that is going on as you live life. As you go in, as you come out. It is the home that is to be doing this. And then lastly, this is just kind of a reminder. Mom and dad, whatever we're talking about with our children, whatever we're praying about with our children, man, let's just make sure that week they really see it in us. If we're talking about something, man, Lord, would, you know, we talked the other night about this topic, this issue. Could, could, could they see that in me? Because I don't want it to be just talk. I, I want them to see this is, this is what I'm committed to. This is how I live. Now, folks, I know when you look at those four points, I, I hope I explained them well. 
But I know there's a lot of folks sitting here saying, man, I, I, I'm not sure how I would do some of that. I don't think I can do some of that. And I don't, I don't mean to keep sounding like a commercial, but that's exactly what a parent summit is about. Parent summit takes you right to the stage your kid is at, look at, looks at practical suggestions and ideas of what you should be doing at that stage and how you do it. A, a lot more than I can give you in a few moments here. That's what a parent summit's all about, commercial over. Man, folks, we, we, we want so many things for our home. And, and we read books, and, and maybe we even listen to sermons, maybe we even pursue the Bible, and, and we're, what, what we're doing is we're leaving the purpose out and we're coming down here trying to shove this answer in. Before we start shoving the answers in, let's go back up and find out, hey, why did God bring a family together? Why was it, you remember, this is all His invention. It was His design, it was His way to do this. Why? What was His idea? Because, folks, the more I'm coming under what God's design and intention for a screwdriver was, for duct tape was, for the home was, the greater chance there's going to be a great enjoyment in that, a great fulfillment in that. The, the more we give ourselves to communicating Him, the more our home is going to find a confidence in God, a knowledge of God, and an obedience to God. And folks, that just can't bring anything but blessing. It's kind of why we came to church this morning, isn't it? I want to be blessed. I want my family to be blessed. You don't have to wonder how that happens. God has made it abundantly clear. Let's pray. Father, in this room right here, and, and God, you know this better than I can pray it. You, you know every person, you know every home. You, you know what went on in the home this past week, the conversations. You know how we're treating each other, not only on the outside, but even how we're thinking about each other on the inside. You know everywhere we are. And God, I'm so grateful that in your power and in your knowledge, you have the ability to take every home in this room and move it a step forward. Man, some of our homes are way down the road. Everything I've just talked about, you've been doing that. We've been doing that for years and years and years. And we've seen the blessing. We've, we've seen the product of that. There's other homes in here, God, that are floundering and, and, and they haven't done anything like this. And they look at that and it, and it feels overwhelming and, and, and they're not sure what to do. God, I thank you. In both homes, you can move. In both homes, you can work. In both homes, you can take them a step forward. God, help us to realize it begins with our heart. When are we going to stop pursuing my way and start pursuing your way? When are we going to stop trying to get out of the home what we want out of it and start yielding our lives and our homes and our families to fulfilling your purpose. God, I pray that as we leave here today, we see this one thing. Whatever we might get out of this, may we see this. You are worthy. It's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray this. Amen.